In December of 1926, renowned crime novelist Agatha Christie went missing from her home. She was missing for 11 days until she reappeared nearly 210 miles away at a hotel in Harrogate. Where was she? Why would she never talk about it? Let's talk about it and get so scared. Pow, pow, pow. We're going into the theme. Theme song. You just listened to the theme song. Uh, and welcome back to uh, the So Scared Podcast. It's me, one of your hosts, uh, Colin, or the Nemean Cannon. Caitlin, other host. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just wanted to throw this out because I saw recently BuzzFeed, Unsolved, whatever their thing is called, did an episode about Agatha Christie's disappearance. I just want to start off right now. I am not doing this because I saw them do it. I started researching this before their episode came out. I am doing this because I have recently been re-watching Doctor Who, and I had watched the episode of Doctor Who about Agatha Christie, and remembered that her disappearance was a thing, and I was like, hey, I'm going to start researching that. And then after I started researching, came out with their episode. So I'm not copying them. It's just a weird coincidence. I just wanted to say that. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to throw that out there. This isn't a copying. Uh, just weird coincidence. Um, I also wanted to say thank you for watching. Well, watching. Listening. And I just want to say, please, if you like this, if you're on something that lets you review, rate our podcast, give us a review, give us a rating. Share the podcast if you can. Uh, sharing really is a, you know, best way to help podcasts especially one as new as ours and as small as ours it's really the best you can do but yeah i just wanted to throw that out there follow us on social media also if you want to but yeah uh so let's get into it and start off as we always do caitlin's thoughts what are your thoughts on this whole disappearance 11 days i don't know because caitlin and i actually talked a little bit because i talked to her about agatha christie and you didn't really know who she was before right yeah i mean i just know her Knew her from her name. Yeah. And I, like, remembered kind of that she was an author. Um, I just mumped the table. Sorry if that was loud. But, um, I'm not really, sh- like, I don't know much. I mean, like... And it seems like a lot in these true crime things that the cops just, like, messed up. That's There's true. so many, like, with serial killers, I know this isn't a serial killer thing, but they always are, like, just, they had him in their grasp and they let him go. Like, so I feel like this is probably an instance where the cops were, like, they could have found out sooner they just missed something or right. like or maybe it really is that they actually did their job this time and they couldn't figure out anything yeah i mean who knows really i mean i guess we will in a bit when we talk about it but yeah <laughs> i get what you're saying yeah because every time i learn about serial killers it's always like oh you know the cops just they they were right there but then they're for a lot of them it's like their racism or sexism just got in the way and kept them from actually catching the murderer like super early into their murder spree yeah maybe 
Uh, we're going to start off, we're going to talk about Agatha Christie's life starting up. Because there is some stuff I feel that lays some good groundwork for possibly why she went missing. Uh, she was born Agatha Miller on September 15th, 1890. She was born in Torquay, Devon, in England, to a wealthy upper middle class family. She was the youngest of three children. The eldest was born in 1879, and then her brother was born in 1880, which I just want to say I kind of relate to her somewhat in her early life because her siblings were like 10 and 11 years older than her, and it's like my two oldest siblings are 10 and like 11-ish years older than me. So it's like I kind of, you know, I kind of get her life a little bit in this early part because she said she had a very happy childhood, but she spent a lot of time alone, like, because her siblings were so much older. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she was homeschooled a lot, too, which is also, I was, too. And with imaginary friends and stuff, so. Very uh, similar to me, I feel. But she was a smart kid. Due to Agatha Christie's curiosity, she was reading by the age of four, so. Wow. Yeah, she, she was pretty smart. She was curious. She got into reading fast. She was a huge reader. By the age of 10, she wrote her first poem. That was in April of 1901, the same year as that her father's health started deteriorating. Her father believed it was because of heart problems, and then in November of 1901, that same year, uh, he passed away from pneumonia and chronic kidney disease. So at that point, she was like 11 when her father passed away. Um, she later said that his death marked the end of her childhood. I mean, a parent's death when you're, like, 11 years old will, like, kind of do that sometimes, I feel. Yeah. So. have to grow up quick because you have to learn how to deal with big emotions you've never felt before. Yeah. So, around this time, the family's financial situation, and this is in my notes to do this, the financial situation was... <laughs> Not good. Um, a year after the, her father's death, her older sister married. In 1905, her and her mother went to Paris. And while in Paris, she was educated in a series of boarding schools. And while she was doing those boarding schools in Paris, she mostly focused on voice training and piano playing because her goal was performing as a concert pianist or opera singer. Yeah, but she decided that she didn't have the talent or the temperament for that, so she gave up on that goal. Hmm. Yeah. So after she finished her education, her and her mother went back to England, and her mother's health wasn't great. So they spent some time in Egypt. Um, She was 17. They stayed there for like three months. Uh, You know, they did stuff in Egypt, went and saw the Pyramid of Giza, did other Egypt stuff. And afterwards, they returned to England in 1908, and she was doing writing, she was doing theater, and with some friends, she helped put on a play called The Blue Beard of Unhappiness. And at 18, while she was in bed recovering from an illness, she wrote her first short story. After this, she kept writing more stories, and a lot of the stories that she wrote at these times highlighted her fascination with spiritualism and the paranormal and she did all of these stories under pseudonyms most it had like a list of like three pseudonyms she used for her stories at this time 
and like two of the three pseudonyms were male names. Yeah. Which I mean, early nineteen hundreds. It's like yeah. I mean, most people probably aren't going to be interested in a story written by a woman. Yeah. Because sadly. people yeah, suck. Which all of these stories she tried to get published, but magazines just rejected all of them. Uh, these stories that she wrote back then were later on published when she was more famous under her real name and with different titles. Um, but at this time, she was working on her first no- novel, Snow Upon the Desert. This was also under a pseudonym, and it was based in Cairo and based around her experiences in Egypt with her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she contacted six publishers. All of them rejected her. Uh, her mother suggested they talk. she talk to the novelist Eden Faber. He responded, encouraged her writing, and sent her an introduction to his literary agent, Hugh Massey, who also rejected her first novel, but Hugh Massey suggested that she write a second one. Um, throughout all this, she was still socially active. Uh, she had a few short relationships with like some dudes. She got engaged. And then in October of 1912, she was introduced to Archibald Christie, or Archie the son of a barrister in England civil service and an army officer, they fell in love. Uh, three months after meeting, Archie proposed and Agatha accepted. Jesus, three months. Yeah. <laughs> um, in August of 1914, World War I was going off and Archie was sent to France. But on Christmas Eve of 1914, he was on leave back at home and that's when they got married. So they did wait until like almost two years get married but they did get engaged like three months in so <laughs> um he rose through the ranks real fast uh and in september of 1918 okay not real fast okay i, I don't know why i said real fast he rose through the ranks <laughs> in september of 1918 he got posted back in britain as a colonel in the air ministry and at this time, Agatha Christie was also involved in the war. She was a member of the Voluntary Aid Detachment of the Red Cross. Uh, when she was doing this, she started as like an unpaid nurse, but then she worked as a dispenser after qualifying as an apothecary's assistant in 1917, which, doing that, she got paid £16 a year, which, in today's money, comes out to like £900 a year, which, in US dollars, is like... 1250 so yeah not a ton but i mean back then it probably had a lot more buying power than it does now definitely um she stopped doing this in 1918 because that's when archie got brought back to britain they lived in london they rented a flat did soldiers get paid back then i don't know i didn't actually look into that I can Google it real fast. No, it's all right. It's just, I was just thinking about, like, how she, like, was making money just for her job, I guess. I'm sure at this point, I mean, he was a colonel, and he was posted back in London, so I'm sure he was getting paid. Yeah, I feel like if you're just a a soldier, you're not probably getting crap. But as an upper level, I would feel you'd get at least a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I would assume he's getting paid. I mean, they're getting paid enough to rent a flat, at least, unless... The government, like, is helping them with that so that he can work there. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Christy was a fan of detective novels at this time. Um, 
She liked some of the stuff like Wilkie Collins novels and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's early Sherlock Holmes stories. So during this whole time, she started in 1916, she wrote her first detective novel. Uh, this first detective novel was called The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and it was the main character was Hercule Poirot, the Belgian detective, which this is honestly mostly where I know Agatha Christie is Poirot. Because on PBS, there was like, they made a TV show based on Perot and like the stories that she wrote about Perot. And so it's like, I saw some of the show episodes about that. And like, that's my big thing that I know of Agatha Christie is Hercule Perot. But with this novel, she got rejected again by two publishers. Um, but one of the other publishers kept the submission for a few months and then they offered, like, before they offered to accept this novel, and she signed a contract which committed her next five books to this publisher, and the Bush book was published in 1920. So she finally, after like quite a while of trying to get published in 1920, got her first book published. During this time, she settled into her married life. At this time, she had her first and only child, Rosalind Margaret Cl Clarissa Hicks, and she was born in 1919. After the war, Archie got a job in the city Agatha wrote two more novels. Um, she also wrote some short stories that were commissioned. So around this time, she was like not having troubles anymore getting her books out. Like she was, she was getting it in. Um, in 1922, the Christies joined the Around the World promotional tour. It was for the British Empire exhibition, which is a colonial exhibition, which was pretty much a thing they did to boost trade. And after 1880, colonial exhibitions were also to boost support for the colonial empires. So, colonialism. Fun stuff. During that time, they left Agatha, like, they left their daughter with Agatha's mom and sister. And for 10 months, they traveled. They went to South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, and Canada. And they were among the first Britons to surf standing up. Hmm. Yeah. Just a weird fact. Agatha Christie was among the first Britons to surf standing up. Kind of a weird thing. Um, when they got back to England, they bought a house and they named it Styles after the mansion of her first, in her first novel, that first detective novel that she got published. And then in 1926, Christie's mother, Clara, passed away, which her mom passing away sent her into her like really close. And so this was a real tough time. There were reports in August of that year in 1926 that she had been seen at a village to recuperate and after having a breakdown from quote-unquote overworking could have it was most likely related to you know her having troubles with her mother passing away recently but also in august of 1926 archie her husband asked for a divorce um he had fallen in love with somebody which, ironically, the major in charge of that exhibition, the person he fell in love with was a, a friend of the major. So it's like if they hadn't gone on that exhibition, he probably wouldn't have met this woman that he fell in love with. That's awesome. Yeah. On December 3rd, 1926, Archie said he was going to spend the weekend with friends without his wife, and the two had a bit of a fight over that. That evening is when Christy disappeared from the home I'm going to talk a little bit about the disappearance now and then talk a little bit of her life after the disappearance and then we'll dive deeper into the disappearance after this. 
But after she went missing, the next morning they found her car. It was abandoned. It was parked over a chalk quarry. And there was clothing in the car. And the news just went crazy with this information. The home secretary was, like, pressuring the police. The newspaper, like, offered a 100-pound, like, reward for information, which 100 pounds in today's money is 6,000 pounds. Um, there was, like, more than 1,000 police officers, 15,000 volunteers, and airplanes where the car was found trying to find her. And also Sir Arthur Conan Doyle got into trying to search for her. He was into the occult. So he actually took one of Christie's gloves and gave it to a medium, trying to see if the medium could figure out where Christie went. Uh, the medium did not figure out where Christie went. They did. They had no idea. <laughs> um, the New York Times even like it was front page news at, on the New York Times. So like this went everywhere. But even with all that, she wasn't found for another ten days. On she was at the Swan Hydro. Pathic Hotel in Harrogate, Yorkshire, and she was registered at the hotel as Miss Teresa Neal, which Neal is the last name of the woman that Archie fell in love with. Kind of weird. And so the next day, like after they found her, she went to her sister's home, telephones were off, and all callers were like just turned away. And after this, she traveled with her daughter a bit, and when they got back to England, they got the divorce done. They were divorced by October of 1928. A week after the divorce, Archie married his lover. So he, wow. Yeah. Um, Couldn't even wait like a month. Yeah. Uh, Christy kept custody of the daughter, and she also kept the name Christy just for like her writing and stuff, which is why she's Agatha Christy. Um, after that, all happened. She traveled to Iraq. She met an archaeologist. She went on a dig. And on that dig, she met Max Malawan. Uh, they got married a couple years later in 1930. And they stayed together for the rest of Christie's life. She traveled around with him on archaeological expeditions. And a lot of her travels with him were in the Middle East, which helped her with a lot of her novels that she based in the Middle East. Because most of her novels were actually based in, like, the Middle East or in Torquay, where she grew up. So it's like she really based her novels in areas that she knew stuff about, which I think that's good. She also used a lot of her international train travel, because she wrote the novel Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Which, so she knew, she knew a lot about what she was writing about. <laughs> they lived in a few different places. Uh, all of their houses that they lived in have blue plaques now, you know, commemorating that she lived there. That's cool. Yeah. And, I mean, even though she was super well-known, she lived a pretty quiet life for most of that time. Uh, during World War II, she worked in the pharmacy at the University College Hospital in London. And this is where she learned a lot about poisons. Because she's really well known in her stories about using poisons and stuff a lot. She used, you know, a lot of her knowledge that she learned during World War II working at a hospital for her writing. Which actually, I wrote down just a little weird thing. In 1977, there was a thallium poisoning case. It was only solved when British medical personnel recognized the symptoms they were seeing in, like, the person in real life after having read her book where there was a thallium poisoning. Oh. 
Yeah. So her descriptions of poisonings were very good. <laughs> um, she was also investigated by MI5, which is a counter espionage like group for like Brit Britain's espionage people because her novel in 1941, N or M, has a character named Major Bletchley, and the novel was about fifth columnists in wartime England, which fifth columnists is pretty much just like a group of people inside of like an organization that are like fighting against it. They thought she might have had a spy in their top secret code breaking center, Bletchley Park. What? Why? Yeah. Because she named a character in her book Major Bletchley. Oh. So they were like, oh, does she know about Bletchley Park? Ah, she has a spy. Which she eventually, like, she told her code breaker friend, uh, Dilly Knox, that the reason she named Major Bletchley that name was that she was stuck there on her way by train from Oxford to London, and she was upset, so she took revenge by naming her least lovable character after the place. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that she had a spy, she just didn't like that area because she got stuck there. Uh, she did a lot of stuff, she had a lot of honors, uh, she was like, she was elected a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature, appointed commander of, of the Order of the British Empire, she was co-president of the Detection Club, she was awarded an honorary Doctor of Literature degree by the University of Exeter, and later, she was promoted to Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire. And that happened three years after her husband had been knighted for his archaeological work. So, Caitlin made a weird face. I thought she was, like, gonna throw up. I was yawning, but I was trying to, like, keep it in and keep it quiet so it wouldn't be loud and annoying. <laughs> um, from 1971... And then I just pointed out after you keep your yep. yawning. I'm sorry. <laughs> From 1971 to 74, her health was going bad, but she just kept on writing. Her last novel was in 1973, which uh, 2009 Canadian researchers used textual ana analysis and suggested that around this time she may have begun to suffer from like Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, and she passed away January 12th, 1976, peacefully at home when she was 85 years old. Throughout her years, she wrote, this is me just kind of like talking about her because I think she's real cool and she did a lot of stuff and I feel like she's a good role model. Uh, throughout her years, she wrote 75 novels, 28 collections, including 165 short stories, three poems, 16 plays, seven radio broadcast works, and two autobiographies. Wow. Yeah, she did a lot. Uh, she sold an estimated 300 million books in her lifetime, which she's only been outsold by the Bible and William Shakespeare, making her the best-selling novelist in history. And it's estimated her earnings from over half a century of writing was about $91 million in today's money. Wow. Yeah. And then this is just a little bit of something fun. Her 1952 play, The Mousetrap, set a world record for the longest continuous run in one theater, performed 8,862 shows for more than 21 years at the Ambassador's Theater in London. And then in 1974, it moved to St. Martin's Theater, where it continued without a break until 2020 when COVID-19 lockdown 
closed down the theater and they couldn't perform. And by that time, it had surpassed 28,200 performances. So they, they played that, they did that play from 1952 all the way to 2020, nonstop, Jesus. doing 28,200 plays, performances. So that's just like a lot. Caitlin keeps petting our fat cat who's like nine and a half years old. And he looks so freaking cute. I'm going to take a picture of him and post him on our social media. If you want to see our fat cat, go follow our social media. Links are in the description. He's so freaking cute. He's so cute. I love him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now let's go deep dive into the, the, well, not super deep dive because I absolutely suck at researching. We're going to do a semi kiddie pool deep dive into her disappearance. Obviously, we talked about her mom had very recently passed away. She had recently had a breakdown from overworking. And her husband wanted a divorce because he fell in love with another woman. So she had a lot of not good stuff going on for her, you know. So on December 3rd, we know for sure that she left her house in her car. So as we said before, there was a huge search. This was actually the first time that airplanes were used in a search. What just happened? <laughs> he grabs my fingers with his paws and licks my finger. And now he's fighting me. <laughs> I'm getting another video. Go follow our social media. He's so cute. Okay. Uh, so yeah, first time airplanes had been used in a search. And we talked about not only was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle brought on to this, but they also brought out another crime author, Dorothy L. Sayers. And they brought them on because they hoped that their knowledge from writing about crime would, you know, help them actually solve this crime. Mm -hmm. So, third, she went missing. The night of the third. On the fourth, they found her car. And it was found on a steep slope by a chalk quarry. There were no signs of an accident, like no evidence that she was in an accident. But according to the New York Times article that I found from December 6th, the front tires of her car were hanging over the edge of the chalk, like, chalk pit. So she was close to, like, according to them, she was close to having drove into the chalk pit, which would probably not be good. Near where the car was found, there was also a natural spring called the Silent Pool, which had the reputation of two children having died there. So some journalists suggested that she might have drowned herself in that. Uh, natural springs it was also a local legend that the silent pool was bottomless but she you said she died at home peacefully how would she have drowned herself i'm just saying this is what they thought at the time oh yeah at the time of it happening they were like ah she because like they had no clue where she was so they thought she might have drowned herself um other theories at this time were also that it might have just been a publicity stunt to promote her new book or that her husband Archie had killed her. So, Jeez. Yeah, people were like really uh, speculating. So we talked about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle trying to use a medium. Sayers also went to Christie's house to look for clues, which she didn't find anything of use. So on December 8th, the search was actually called off. They said that her brother-in-law got a letter from her saying she was going to a Yorkshire spa, which having foresight now... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Caitlin's laughing because Felix, our cat, keeps licking her finger. Oh my goodness. He's so freaking cute. 
I'm gonna cut out like a bunch of this probably <laughs> but he's so freaking cute oh my gosh but yeah having like you know be from the future we can tell that she did actually go to a Yorkshire spa so it's like did she actually send this letter to her brother-in-law it's like I don't know but the police weren't completely convinced because on the 10th they tried to get her dog to track her down but all the dig the dog did was uh whine so the detectives started to think at this time that she had died by suicide apparently there were claims that she was spooked by her house and that her house had possibly been haunted there had been a murder and a suicide there and she had reportedly said to a friend if i do not leave sunningdale soon sunningdale will be the end of me so they started to think that maybe she was spooked by her house maybe she was haunted maybe she died by suicide like what was going on hmm. on the 12th <laughs> the secretary denied publicity stunt she was like no christy would not do that i guess christy wouldn't like you know do this kind of thing for a publicity stunt 13th they did a huge search uh they brought in like dogs like they brought in a bunch of hounds they were trying to like search for her any way they could um it was also the police were speculating that she possibly had left for london and she was like disguising herself in men's clothing to like hide um there was also a rumor that she had left a letter to be read only if her body was found jesus yeah so maybe um, she was planning on maybe um, also at this time there was a seance that was held at the chalk pit and the medium spiritualist who led the seance said that she thought that foul play had been involved um on the 14th there were reports that they found some important clues these clues were a bottle of poison lead and opium torn postcard a fur-lined coat a box of face powder the end of a loaf of bread a cardboard box and two children's books how the loaf of bread and cardboard box are important clues i do not know i mean the bread could have indicated she had food yeah with her and but the... she was like planning on being gone for a while or something yeah that and, she like... needed to eat something yeah and the bottle of, like, poison lead and opium could have been, like, I don't know, somebody tried to poison her. Or she was going to poison herself. Or, yeah, that's true, too. On the 15th, she was found at the spa. This is when, like, somebody, a, a like, musician at the spa recognized her and put out a report, like, hey, please, um, I think I found Agatha Christie here. She didn't commit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at this time, the husband informed reporters she does not know who she is. She has suffered from the most complete loss of memory. What? Yeah. And then on the 16th, that's when the police actually, like, found her at Harrogate Spa. Obviously, like we said, she had used the Archie's girlfriend's last name to, chalk, like, check into the hotel. Um, the husband apparently said he doesn't know what that means, and neither does Christy. That's what he said. He said that he didn't, and he also said that Christy didn't know what that meant. And I feel like, I mean, what that means is she was upset that you were falling in love with another woman. She wanted to get away without the public knowing where she was. Yeah, that too. Yeah, she was trying to hide her identity. Well, she was kind of like a celebrity at this point, so she was just like, you know what? Instead of committing, I'm just going to try and see if a spa day will help with me not being bothered by fans and stuff. 
or yeah. the media or anything. True. So she used that person's name because that was one of the reasons why she probably wanted to go in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that's pretty much what we know. That's like, I mean, we don't really know a lot of information of while she was gone. And that's most of what we know about the investigation of trying to find her. Afterwards, two doctors diagnosed an unquestionable loss of memory. And later on, like Christie's autobiography, it doesn't mention her disappearance at all. They don't, like Christie didn't talk about it in the autobiography. But there was a portion like in there about this time period. And what she said about this time period of her life was, this is a quote. So after illness came sorrow, despair, and heartbreak. There is no need to dwell on it. So that's all she had to say on this. As far as theories, let's, I have a few theories. We can just kind of talk about them a little bit. First one is, you know, one that a lot of people at that time had is it being a publicity stunt. She had a new book coming up. What do you, what do you think of that idea? Um, she was pretty popular already. Why would she do a publicity stunt? Yeah, that's true. Especially since a lot of the people at that time hearing about this kind of had a negative reaction to it so it's like it wouldn't even have even been a good publicity stunt like I mean, but any press is good press yeah that's true any press is good press another one is that she had like a breakdown and entered like a fugue state which i feel i mean that's kind of a fugue state is pretty much from what i read if i remember correctly kind of like a memory loss thing but it's like you take on like a personality and like memories that aren't of like a different personality and memories for a time so like she at this time if she was like in a fugue state in her head she was not agatha christie anymore she was like she was Teresa neal and that's why like she put down a different name and stuff so what do you think of that one nope no you don't like the idea that she had a, like a breakdown she could have had a breakdown but i do not think she's young put the name down because she was so in love with her husband she was just gonna be her Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a Jolene moment. Yeah. Just, like, if she had a breakdown, it was because she lost her dad, then she lost her mom, then she lost her husband. Yeah. Had nobody but her child. And then when she looked at her child, she thought it was her husband. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't really buy that one too much either, honestly. Uh, there is also the idea that it was attempted suicide. Well, she, that she went missing. Because I said she didn't talk about it in her autobiography, but in 1928, she had an interview with the Daily Mail, and this is, like, the only time that she talked about this disappearance at all. And in this interview, she said that on December 3rd, she was driving past that quarry with her daughter. This is a quote from the interview. There came into my mind the thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. When I reached a point on the road which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off the road down the hill toward it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel, and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Miss Christie. With that part at the end, it kind of leans into a fugue state where she was like, up to this moment, she was Miss Christie, which feels like it implies that after this moment, she wasn't. Yeah. But it also 
lends a lot of credence to the idea that she was just so distraught that she went to the quarry to attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. But there are other ideas. There was one theory that she did all of this to try to make her husband look bad because she was upset with him, and she just didn't expect it to go so public. Which, yeah, I don't buy that one either. I feel like that's like, no. Why would, she, why would she do that to make him look bad? Like, No, I don't think she cared. Yeah. There's, well, obviously she cared, but, like, I don't think... I don't know. Yeah. Only one that makes sense is the suicide. Yeah. Um, less believable ones. There was a movie made about this, and the movie is about her disappearance. This is, again, a movie, so I don't think this is, like, really what happened, but, you know, it's an it's a idea. It's the idea that she disappeared of her own choice so that she could go off and try to solve a murder. I don't think so. <laughs> Just like a simple, I don't think so. Yeah. I I mean, this is based off of like a movie, so I don't think it's realistic. I don't think she did that. Also, like the people who she would have met while trying to solve the murder would have known who she was and would have been like, oh, this is where she was while she was missing. Yeah. And I couldn't find a lot of uh, crazy theories on this. I like to talk about the crazy theories. I don't think they're real, but they're the most fun. But I couldn't find any. But this last idea I have to bring up purely because of what gave me the inspiration to do this episode. And that's aliens. What if she was abducted? What if that's why on her whole trip up to the spa, she was never seen or like recognized at any point? What if it's because... She was abducted by the chalk quarry, experimented on, and then dropped off up at the hotel. Maybe that's why she had no memory. Memory loss is very common in abduction scenarios and stories. Maybe. Maybe. That's it? I expected you to say something like I'm stupid for saying that. No, I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel, I mean, and it kind of leans into the attempted suicide. Maybe she went there to attempt suicide, and maybe the reason that she wasn't able to do it is because the aliens stopped her and abducted her maybe i mean honestly we'll never know because she never talked about it she's passed away now so it's like the only person who really knew maybe is now gone and i mean i don't even really know for sure if she really knew because she never talked about it and she seemed to have memory loss it seemed like for the most part after it happened she just wanted to get past it she didn't really care about it Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, is it because she had something to hide? Or is it just that she really didn't know and she just really wanted to leave it behind because of her husband? I think she wanted to commit suicide but then thought of her daughter and was like, mm, no, I'll just maybe try a spa day. <laughs> I don't know. And then went there, came back and was like, I'm going to not think about that. Because if she thinks about it, she might just spiral back down into it again. Mm-hmm. And she might not have wanted to tell the public, I wanted to die. Like, I don't think that was really something that she wanted to be putting out there. Especially back in this day and age of, like, still early 1900s. Not knowing much about mental health. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, I mean even now, psychology is a very new branch of science and like research and stuff so it's like yeah they didn't know a lot back then so maybe she did just want to leave it behind well that's all i got 
Sorry that I uh, talked so long about the life of Agatha Christie. I just, you know, found her really interesting. I like her. She's cool. I think, you know, she was a great female novelist, a good person to look up to, I feel. I mean, she had that whole, like, rejected, 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 and then finally made it onto the scene and became the best at what she did. So this is... uh, a sign for everybody listening that don't give up even if you're being rejected or failing if you keep trying maybe you'll be the best or at the very least uh i don't know you'll have fun doing it okay anything you want to say closing out honey no (laughs) (laughs) okay if you like this I mean, I don't know. This wasn't the most exciting episode, but we wanted to do something a little bit nicer and calmer after the last one. So, yeah. Come back next time. We'll get more into some crazy stuff. If there's a like on whatever you're listening to us on, a review, rate, I don't know. I don't have any of that on the podcast like app that I use. It doesn't let me do any of that stuff. But if it lets you do it, do it. And follow us on our social media. If you have something to say to us, our email is in the description. Both of our pro, uh, social medias are in the description. Uh, check us out. Um, goodbye, everybody. Wait, I want to have Felix say goodbye, too. Oh, yes. Got to have Felix say goodbye. Okay. I'm going to lift the microphone. Felix. Hey. Got anything to say? <laughs> oh, he's awake. He's sniffing the microphone. Oh, okay. He's not interested. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you later.